Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Goodwill Meditation Group webinar. Today is November 29th, 2023. We're so glad to have all of you joining us here today. We meet here today to take part in a group meditation on goodwill and to discuss issues of vital importance to the spiritual evolution of humanity. Goodwill is a bridging energy. It is a creative energy, and it brings human relationships into alignment with divine intention. It exists wherever the heart, the mind, and the hand are allied towards the common good. And the work of world goodwill seeks to empower the human heart and the mind towards the fulfillment of this good, whatever form of expression it takes. The Goodwill Meditation Group works directly with this energy of goodwill and seeks to make it manifest through all manners of human thinking and relationships. This group meets subjectively at noon in your local time zone, and we encourage all of you to link up each week and to use the meditation on Wednesdays in support of the work of the group. This webinar meets on the last Wednesday of each month and seeks to support the weekly work of the group and also to introduce new members to its work. Today's theme is meditation, spiritual evolution, and the future. And we'll be discussing group meditation as an effective means of stimulating the evolutionary impulse in all forms of life, human, subhuman, and planetary. Meditation can have a pronounced effect on human psychology and its moral alignment, and therefore is a potent means of aiding humanity towards a right and compassionate action. In times of such consequential changes in human civilization, a positive vision of the future founded on goodwill and universal compassion is more important than ever. And so after our meditation today, we'll have Mintza van der Velde sharing about the upcoming Summit of the Future, a major UN initiative occurring next year. There will also be time for discussion. And so we invite all of you to jot down any thoughts you might have during these presentations or during the meditation itself and um, sharing them with the group um, when we get to that part of our webinar. So before we proceed any further, let us take a moment just to link up with the group um, and to sound the mantrum of the new group of world servers. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May we fulfill our part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, and right speech.
Meditation today takes many forms. It is practiced for a variety of reasons. These include, but are not limited to, use of meditation for religious purposes, as a mystical method of achieving union with the divine for its own sake. It includes also those types which seek a state of so-called inner peace through the withdrawal of attention from the outside world. There is also meditation marketed as self-help or self-improvement, wherein the mind is directed, often somewhat selfishly, on one's own problems and difficulties and how they might be rectified. The popularization of meditation has naturally led to a, di a diversity of forms. And without a clear and popular consensus on what constitutes meditation and exactly what it is, it is certainly understandable that many diverge from the core components of this very scientific and ancient discipline. Meditation is really not so much a means of achieving inner peace, though this might be one of its effects, nor is it a means of self-improvement. And its utility goes even beyond mystical union for its own sake. Three words provide an accurate definition. These are registration, interpretation, and application. These three words, registration, interpretation, application, they imply many things. They imply, first of all, mental activity. They imply cause and effect, and therefore a creative process. That is, contact with some spiritual source of inspiration and the ability to work out that inspiration in creative activity. And so meditation is fundamentally concerned with mental receptivity, first of all, but it is not a passive practice. Meditation establishes a positive alignment with those higher aspects of one's nature, and it does so via the soul. And as the soul, it works to mediate divine intention into human thinking. In this way, meditation is fundamentally spiritual, focused on the good of the greater whole and on the union of spirit and matter, but is also fundamentally creative, involving energy reception, manipulation, and distribution. And this creative imperative is the essence of what we call the occult path. Occult meditation works in the subtle world of thought and of the soul, and it definitely does produce effects in the material world. The esoteric student in meditation enters into a world of energies and forces of great diversity. This diverse world of energies certainly includes the physical world, which we all know, but it also includes the world of emotional and sentient reaction. And as we can understand, this is fundamental to human relationships and to navigating them. This world of diverse energies also includes, of course, the world of thought, both concrete and abstract, wherein the soul, the psyche, or the self is said to reside. The soul is the thinker, the observer, the director of one's life, and it is through the soul whereby all outer action is conceived and at first initiated. 
therefore it's key to human agency. But there are even beyond the mind and beyond the soul, even higher grades or worlds of energy in which separation as we know it ceases altogether. In these higher states of consciousness, the soul is able to apprehend truth directly, apart from any of the distortions incident to human thinking. This requires the faculty of the intuition be developed. This faculty is akin to the stage of union, which is called contemplation, which can only be entered when the mind is fully developed and one has taken the practice of formal meditation to its very limits. Though interest in alternative spirituality is increasing in the world today, at least in the Western world, um, there remains a marked cleavage and division between that which is spiritual and that which is material. Meditation opens the door to the union of these two aspects of life. Through meditation, the man or woman comes to understand that this separation, which permeates practically all aspects of our society, is in fact the result of a basic cleavage in the very nature of man himself, that misalignment between soul and personality. It is through meditation that soul consciousness is attained, and union between the soul and its mechanism, the personality, is established. This in turn opens the door to new and higher contexts. It unlocks latent powers and capacities, and at the same time, and most importantly perhaps, an entirely new worldview opens before the soul-inspired mind. Meditation thus opens the door to new ways of thinking. It opens the door to, really to new paradigms of thinking. It also opens the door to higher spiritual energies, and it provides, importantly, a means of conditioning and distributing them in service of the plan. This plan has always existed as part of the greater design of the cosmos, and what little of it trickles down to us is made possible by the careful work of the spiritual hierarchy of our planet. The spiritual hierarchy are a great body of enlightened beings, and they are custodians of this plan. They step down cosmic energies of inconceivable beneficence and make them available in a matter whereby they can inspire and lead human consciousness forward in its evolutionary progress. These great beings do not impose the plan, but rather simply make its energy available to those members of the human family who can, in deep contemplation, bear witness to them. It is through them, these interpreters, that the plan becomes, in time, the very human ideals which govern and condition human thinking and civilization during any period of history. The whole process of translating the divine idea in its highest cosmic in purest sense into a form conceivable to the human being involves a long chain of interconnected beings, all using meditation in some form or another to sustain the divine circulatory flow of life through all grades of life which comprise the planetary whole. 
It is for this reason that meditation has been referred to as the outstanding creative agent on our planet. For it is not only man, the human being, but divinity itself, which follows similar creative processes. Today, there are men and women around the world who are firm in their faith in the spiritual nature of the manifested world and are assuming a measure of responsibility to see the divine intention which underlies it manifest outwardly and for the ideals of goodwill, universal brotherhood, and right human relations to work out also into every field of human endeavor. Many are working ardently in so-called outer forms of service to radiate these principles in their environment. But many are also recognizing a need for a deeper approach founded on subtler forms of truth, which are only accessible beyond the realms of the concrete mind. Today, there are many initiatives that utilize group meditation as a means of world service. The Luce's Trust hosts several. There is, of course, the Goodwill Meditation Group, which has brought us all here today. There's also the Triangles Meditation Group, which meets on the second Monday of each month. And there are also meetings held at the time of the full and new moons. World Goodwill also offers a special initiative called the Cycle of Conferences, which involves a group invocation of the divine will and its direction of the will to good, in preparation for select conferences of international importance. The intention of this initiative is to prepare the right spiritual atmosphere in which the conference can take place. The group is currently focusing on the upcoming climate change conference to be held in Dubai, November 30th through December 12th. We invite all of you who are interested to go to our website and to uh, there you can find more information about this uh, this work. And though much of this climate change conference um, will surely focus on what many believe to be the existential threat of climate change or the, the many processes and negotiations around reduction of, say, greenhouse gases, for example, um, for those who take a more comprehensive view of human agency and of its spiritual nature, the conference is also a time to reflect on planetary relationship at all levels. And also, of course, the basic human responsibility, very spiritual responsibility, to be effective stewards of the natural world. Humanity holds a middle place in the great hierarchy of spiritual life on our planet, and it is destined to be the distributor of spiritual energies to those many grades of life which have not yet attained self-consciousness. Though today great human effort is being directed on very material solutions to our own concretely interpreted problems, initiative, initiatives such as, and this is all very good and right, of course, but the initiatives such as the cycle of conferences are an opportunity to mediate between the very robust world of concrete human activity and the divine purpose and intention which underlie all life processes and which are truly inseparable from human existence. In any group meditation, the aim is to relate the energies of light, of love, and of the will to good to regular human living. This is fundamental. And it is the spiritual alignment 
and the shared focus and intention of group members which make this relationship possible. Personal rapport between the group, similarity of ideology, all of that is inconsequential to this work. The atmosphere which this group creates makes it more possible for an individual, for a group, or for a nation to stand within the light of its own soul. And it is in this light that an entirely new worldview becomes possible and the fulfillment of spiritual purpose can begin. In the Tibetan's writings, there is an ancient rule for cellas or students, which is given. And this rule has to do with um, harmlessness and with the expression of right relationship and of love in the truest sense. And I think it's very instructive for the purposes and the, the sort of direction that our group meditations necessarily take, sort of the way in which they operate. And so I'd like to share it here. This is the third rule, actually, and so I'll read it now. This rule states, Blend with thy brother's soul and know him as he is. Only upon the plane of soul can this be done, and elsewhere this blending feeds the fuel of his lower life. So this rule says, Blend with thy brother's soul and know him as he is. It says, Then focus on the plan. Thus will he see the part that he and you and all men play. Thus will he enter into life and know the work accomplished. And I can think of no greater act of love than what is embodied in the words above, which could just as much apply to an individual as to a group. This, this direction to blend with thy brother's soul and know him as he is as a fundamental way of, of unlocking the spiritual potential of humanity and of the human being. And our work, therefore, in meditation is to do just this. It is a work of, of elevation. It is a work of opening the door to the soul, of providing, therefore, a vision of what can be a vision of the plan. And so with that in mind, I'd like to um, invite you all now to join in meditation, which will appear on your screens. Meditation on Goodwill. We begin by linking in thought with all those people throughout the world who are working in this Goodwill Meditation group.
we reflect upon the fact of relationship. You are related to your family. Your community. Your nation. The world of nations. The one humanity made up of all races and nations. Holding this diverse web of relationships in mind, we sound together the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light, and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Reflect upon your own and humanity's relationship with all those beings who dwell in the higher realms of mind and heart. The spiritual hierarchy of saints, rishis, bodhisattvas, and masters honored by all the world's religions and spiritual groups. Imagine that you are standing within the center of the spiritual hierarchy, 
immersed in the consciousness of the heart of love. For some, this heart of love is known as the Christ. And other, other faiths have other names for the one at the center. Maintaining that high point of contact, let your thoughts reach out to include all members of the human family in whom the energy of goodwill is active. Use the affirmation of love. In the center of all love I stand. From that center I the soul will outward move. From that center I the one who serves will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad. In my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the energy of love flowing from the spiritual hierarchy through the men and women of goodwill and into the hearts and minds of all people, infusing them with goodwill and creating loving and harmonious human relationships.
Meditate on ways of spreading goodwill, creating right human relationships, and restoring peace on earth. Realize that you are helping to build a channel between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity through which the energy of goodwill may flow, uniting humanity, solving its problems, and healing all cleavages. Linked in thought with the men and women of goodwill throughout the world, say the great invocation. We'll use the adapted version. Say it with deliberation and with full commitment to its meaning, knowing that you are radiating its potent energies to humanity. 
from the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. So I'd like to invite uh, Minsa, Minsa to come on now. Can I meet yourself and turn on your video? Mm -hmm. uh, hi, Minsa. Minsa is going to be speaking now about the upcoming um, UN Summit for the Future, which will take place next year. So Minsa, go ahead and take it away. Thank you very much, uh, Michael. Thank you very much for this very fine meditation and also for the very inspiring introduction on meditation and human evolution. It's a pleasure to share some thoughts uh, on the preparation for the summit of the future, which will take place 22-23 September 2024 in New York. The 3rd of November, there was a briefing here in Geneva by Mr. Guy Ryder, Secretary General of the UN, especially for NGOs and civil society. You may perhaps not know very much about this so-called summit of the future. So let me start with a short background, what this summit is about. The, 20, the, sorry, the 75th anniversary of the United Nations came at a time when the whole world was facing COVID-19, the, the COVID-19 pandemic. It was facing climate change, the risks and opportunities of technological advances, and the stagnation of the Sustainable Development Goals. Member states recognize these trends, as well as our unprecedented interconnectedness, and pledged to strengthen global governance, asking the Secretary General for his recommendations to address 
current and future challenges. The Secretary General responded with a report called Our Common Agenda, calling for solidarity between people, between countries and between generations, and the corresponding renewal of the multilateral system to accelerate implementations of existing commitments and fill gaps in global governance that have emerged since 2015. The report proposed a summit of future as a once in a generation opportunity to take these steps. I'll try to share my, sorry, to share my screen. Uh, I hope this is the, this one. <coughs> So there are five main points uh, on this, uh, sorry, in this uh, summit of for the future. The first one is sustainable development and financing for development. The second one is international peace and security. The third is science, technology and innovation in digital cooperation. The fourth is youth and future generations. And five is transforming global governance, is transforming global governance, sorry. Moreover, member states have decided that human rights and gender equality will, cross -cut, will be cross-cutting issues in this summit. This year, a total of 11 policy briefs were published, which, elabor which elaborate on certain proposals contained in the common agenda and support member states in their deliberations to decide on the scope of the summit of the future. These policy briefs are the Secretary General's proposals on what needs to change in order to have, for instance, an international financial system that works for everyone and reflects the economic needs and political realities of today, or an updated collective security system that can better prevent, manage and resolve conflicts in traditional and new domains. They are meant to open conversations and present provocative ideas which could and should be complemented by other stakeholders' input for member states' consideration and for decision. Currently, two states, Germany and Namibia, are drafting a preliminary agenda to be followed by Sweden, the Netherlands and Zambia next year. Provisions are made for civil society to have their say in this conference and project. The briefing by Mr. Ryder, which I talked about, was one of these. But there will also be a virtual consultation on the summit of the future for civil society on December 13th of this year, as well as a UN civil society conference in May 2024 in Nairobi. Mr. Ryder, who gave the briefing here in Geneva, is a man with his feet on the ground. He was a former director of the ILO. ILO is International Labour Organization with its headquarters here in Geneva. And he's not just a bureau bureaucrat. When talking about human rights that will be cross-cutting the, all the agenda topics, he really urged civil society and NGOs to be really alert that human rights are not just taken for granted. They are not. 
Mr. Ryder comes himself from Liverpool in the United Kingdom. Referring to point four of the agenda, that's the one about youth and future generations, he conceded that the young people he meets within the context of the UN are not the same as the young people he meets when he is in the streets of Liverpool. There is a huge gap between these two types of young people. It is up to civil society groups to guarantee that the topics to be discussed reflect and relate to what is really happening on the ground in the daily life of many people and are not just abstract topics for academic discussion. The policy briefs cover the following points. One is the future about future generation. Fulfill our long-standing commitment to meet the demands of the present in a way that safeguards the interest of future generations by ensuring that we take decisions with the long term in mind. The youth all over the world is awakening in the face of challenges with which their generation will have to deal. Second, emergency platform. Establish a more structured, predictable and coordinated multilateral response to crisis of significant scale, severity and reach. Third, meaningful youth engagement. More meaningful youth participation will make decision-making more effective, innovative and long-term, engendering greater trust in public institutions and leading to better outcomes for all. Beyond GDP, GDP means gross domestic product sets out a process to develop metrics that measure progress and allocate resources on the basis of a fuller picture of what is needed to sustain life and human well-being, rather than focusing only on GDP. A global, five, a global digital compact. This sets out principles, objectives, and actions of a global digital, digital compact for adaptation at the summit of the future, with a view of harnessing the benefits of digital technologies for all and putting in place guardrails and governance to prevent their misuse. Six, international financial architecture. To recraft the international financial architecture, architecture to support implementation of the SDGs, to rebuild trust and prevent further fragmentation of international financial and economic relationships. For this, we need ambitious reform, starting with more inclusive, representative, and ultimately more effective global economic governance. Outer space, seventh point. Governance proposals so we can equitably benefit from increases in access to and operations in outer space for achieving of the SDGs while addressing potential risks. Eight, information integrity on digital platforms. The brief outlines how threats to information integrity have an impact on global, national and on local issues and lays out potential principles for a code of conduct to help guide member states, the digital platforms and other stakeholders to make the digital space more inclusive and safe for all. Nine, a new agenda for peace. 
Recognizing that the world is in transition to a new global order, this brief addresses how member states can manage competition, find pragmatic solutions to global problems, and make the collective security system more effective. It suggests 12 actions to prevent, manage, and resolve conflict to strengthen the collective security system. Number 10 is about transforming education. This puts forward a vision and a set of guiding actions for countries and the international community to transform education, building on the Transforming Education Summit and the report of the International Commission on the Futures of Education from UNESCO. And the last but not the least point is UN 2.0. A UN system with the 21st century expertise and organizational culture to deliver stronger results, better member state support, and faster SDG progress. This is probably one of the most ambitious and difficult topics of the whole agenda. Of course, I will stop the sharing here. Of course, states are a bit like human beings. They are all different, but large, but the large majority is still quite selfish. States expressing their sole purpose are unfortunately still very rare. So most states will try to defend the interests of their own country. And yet this summit of the future clearly shows that we are living on one and the same planet. And whether we like it or not, we are more and more interdependent. At the same time, Global crises threaten the prospects of the future of coming generations. Thus, the participants of the summit of the future are forced to think in bigger terms and in terms of long-range ideas for the future. In practical terms, there are two ways to support this initiative. One is through the input of civil society participating in the various conferences and meetings, either by Zoom or in person. And the second is more subject subjectively, uh, which is about, which is what Michael has been talking about through initiatives like the cycle of conferences, which is a worldwide meditation group that joins together in a visualization to help spiritually enlighten, <coughs> enlighten the atmosphere on which world conferences vital to humanity's spiritual progress depend. Of course, the summit of the future will be a major focus of the cycle of conferences next year in September. And with that, uh, I have shared some thoughts of this future summit, summit of the future. Thank you, Mensa. Really, uh, really a concise and summary there is just give us the just the right the right perspective, I think, of the importance of the event. So thank you so much for for doing that. Um, it's it's interesting to think, you know, one of the two two you know two two of the major I guess the purposes or objectives of World Goodwill is to one to produce this sort of positive vision of the future, um, and on the other two to support the United Nations and its work. And it, it seems like at the summit of the future, the two of those are really really co coming together. And I think it's absolutely marvelous. I think it's it, to me, it's one of the most spiritual, the most spiritually potent, potent things 
that the UN that I've seen from the UN in a really long time. And I feel like the, 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 you know, the, the UN's a bureaucracy, right? You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of discourse. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of sort of repeating the same phrases. There's necessarily, there's catchphrases, things like that. But I look, I read through these policy briefs that you shared and they just carry really an energy of something really new. And they really carry an energy of the future. And it's the type of future that I think is a very spiritual future. And I'm really looking forward to seeing where things go next year. Um, so yes, well, just to, yeah. to jump on all that, you have given a beautiful uh, introduction on meditation and um, meditation and human evolution. Of course, much of that is for us as individuals. Uh, part of it also holds for groups or bigger conglomerates. But to my mind, you can also see humanity meditating. And this conference, of, this summit of the conference, is part of humanity's meditation. It is registration, interpretation, and application, which, which we really see playing out for our eyes. And we are part of it, uh, too. So I totally agree with you, uh, the, uh, whether we like the UN or not. Uh, I think we are here seeing very new things uh, i take just one an into a, a new uh, financial structure um which is really if you read it through i don't know whether you've put the links where you can find the all these documents in the yeah, chat I put, I put them in the chat yeah yeah then people can can see what we are talking about in more detail uh but this comes very close to things with, where we are talking about in in world goodwill context too uh, whether you think in universal salaries or things like that, they don't use the same terms, but they are very well, well, well aware of the fact that the current system simply isn't sustainable and isn't working for the future. So, as I said, states are quite selfish, but at the same time, they will be forced to think of new solutions because they do know that it is not sustainable. Um, there was another one, well, about use. I think that is that's one that's a very important one. Uh, the younger generations, uh, there are different levels of generations, which I've uh, different uh, levels of young people, uh, academic people, and people who who have no um, uh, education at all. If you look worldwide, that is the majority of the youth. If you look more in the Western world, okay, we are better off. But still, this is a, a plan for the whole world. And a last point, uh, I think that is the UN 2.0. The UN is very well aware of the fact that it isn't a perfect organization. So they are working on renewing itself. And I think this is a major point. Uh, this is probably also the time to do so. And I really hope that uh, really um, productive ideas will, will come out of this, of this summit. Thank you, Minsa. Yeah, and, and if anybody else on the on the call would like to share, this is now the time to you know to chime in by raising your hand, and uh, we'll unmute you, and you can share your thoughts or ask a question or whatever you'd like to do, um, you know, within reason and on topic, of course. Um, but yeah, it seems sort of underneath, and you know, it's it's good not to give the this sort of conflict, I think, too much attention. But there's this there's very much a clash in the world today of 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 worldviews, of course there always has been, of different worldviews, different ideologies. And I think it's the 
role of the UN to really rise above them. And, and I think there's evidence here that it's doing that. I see all throughout these policy briefs, not necessarily hard and fast solutions, concrete solutions, but basic principles and where those principles should take us. I see really strongly the principle of sharing definitely in there, the principle of basic human rights. I mean, all throughout their freedom from freedom from fear, freedom from wants, individual freedom, you know, um, civic freedoms as well, of course. And um, yeah, but all of that, as you say, Mens, this is a global thing. And I don't think it, it's easy to overlook the sheer diversity of perspectives and the world and, and of the perspectives and different worldviews that are encapsulated in the United Nations. And there's like 191 plus different countries there now. And I don't think you, you realize till you've really sat down and seen some of these negotiations, how different positions these states take. And the fact that they're still able to make this progress is absolutely remarkable. And it's because there are certain principles which rise above the worldviews that have enabled this to happen. And they can, everybody can agree on those. And we see, and we see those, and more and more, we see those are the things that are coming through, you know, not to say that's that uh, there aren't difficult decisions still to be made, but yeah, to me, it's evidence of the soul. So it's a successful meditation because Indeed. humanity is starting to stand in the light of its own soul, certainly. Um, I have a hand here yep. from Robin flatly. Robin, go ahead. You're on hi, hi, Robin. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. So, I am in awe of this gathering, and I'm very moved by all the ideas, the meditation, everything that's been said here. It is incredibly hopeful, and I dearly, dearly want to get on board with his envisioning which I will, I have just stepped through the threshold of this group. I'm brand new, but I come from BOTA, which is Builders of the Aditum. But I was also part of um, the Lucius Trust before I became part of Builders of the Aditum. So I have a rich background of learning a lot. So, But that, that brings me to my pretty much my only question. I I just can't say enough how much I appreciate this group and what you're doing. So before I start crying, because I'm so moved, um, in, in there's a statement that was said, uh, and it says, restoring peace on earth. And I found that rather fascinating and wondered, huh, was there peace on earth at one time? And it became disrupted? Thank you. I think there's a few different ways to interpret to interpret that that statement. I mean, in one sense, it's the idea that, you know, as souls, we've descended into incarnation and it's sort of returning to that place of and, and, and that, that sort of establishing the, so the the consciousness of the soul on Earth is, is in a sense returning to that that peace from where we came, you know, but with the with the with the full connection of, and with the full manifestation. Um, the Ageless Wisdom also states that, you know, the Ageless Wisdom, uh, the Secret Doctrine especially, they have a somewhat different view of human history, which goes back much, much further than 
you know, um, contemporary human history, this is actually the sort of first first race of, of men was in fact a somewhat you know semi ethereal but yet in a sense perfect um, civilization. So I mean you could you could you could sort of interpret that either way, but I, I guess it's a sense of rest of restitution of, rest, of restoring something that's innately there but not yet fully manifested. I don't know, Mince, if you have something else to. No, it's okay. You're leading very well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. Thank you so much, Robin. And we're so glad to have you here. And feel free to email us. I'll put our, our email in the, uh, in the chat. And if you have any other questions or anything like that, you can, um, you know, just write to us and, and get in contact. Oh, we have more hands. I zoned out. Oh, my gosh. Um, um, Bart, go ahead. Or I've just asked you to unmute, actually. Uh, yes, can go. you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thank you, uh, both Mitz and uh, Michael. <clears throat> this is just uh, proof that we're moving into the Aquarian age very rapidly. <laughs> and um, unanimity is uh, the one soul, and uniformity is the one form. I mean, Piscean situations is uh devotion uh everybody has to be the same uh i just love the fact that the united nations is uh talking about the soul soul consciousness of unanimity means one soul anima una anima so anyway it's wonderful to hear and thank you for all of this information Thank you, Bart. Uh, John Horan, go ahead. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Minsa. These organizations that we're talking about, the United Nations and the international economic system, all came out of the end of the last great round of conflict, what we call World War II, and have evolved along parallel lines and both of those systems are in need of renewing i wish i had an answer for you my one and only observation Minsa, is that uh, i'm fascinated especially by the trend here in america of people entrusting um entrusting <laughs> their entire future many times to the idea of a a corporation which is in its essence, a very centralized power structure, while having great suspicion of other forms of government, say, democratically elected uh, countries such as the one in which I reside, and the United Nations, which is a democratic organization as well. I'm trying to formulate a way to address why we would trust a for-profit, consolidated, very pyramidical structure and are innately suspicious of a grassroots, let's all get together and talk structure. Um, that's as far as I've been able to take this thought. I present it to the group, and I hope that as we move forward, we'll see ways of rejuvenating the United Nations and to come up with a fairer distribution of the world's resources through an economic system that works for all. And with that, I'll turn it back to you. 
Okay, well, I have just one or two remarks on that. I think um, despite all the information which floating around, let's be clear, this world is a is an energetic phenomenon and there are forces going on, forces that go in one direction and forces that go in another direction. And it all depends how human consciousness is evolving in all that structure. Um, if if we have sufficiently enough a high level of consciousness, we can align with what we would call the positive forces. If, however, consciousness is not that high, then we will easily align with manipulating forces, which can manipulate us because our consciousness isn't strong enough. So I, to my mind, all this whole discussion boils down to human consciousness and I'm not talking about you or my consciousness. I'm talking about consciousness of humanity as a whole. So that would be my take on your, your point. Thank you. Thank you both. Um, we're running short on time, but I think we got to take one more question. So Sam, I'm so sorry. We won't get to you, but um, Agota Rusa, I'm sure I've said that wrong, but if you could go ahead and unmute yourself. Thank you so much. My question actually is related to the one before, one way or another. Yes, that has been my 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 deeply held belief as well, that the quality of the collective consciousness creates a change in where we are. We are. On the other hand, I find it very uh, mind-blowing in a sense that in the when in the UN out of the 160 or 90 some countries mm -hmm. for example in this current conflict between Israel and the Palestine there are 160 some countries who vote that the injustice injustice in Israel needs to be stopped towards Palestine, and there are two major countries like the USA and Israel, and some minor small countries, then there is no action followed. So actually, my question is, first of all, that from the point of consciousness, it seems to me that there is a larger collective which wants change in the situation, which has been around for decades. On the other hand, it uh, makes me wonder about the the actual um, power of decision making. You know, if if the UN is a democratic organization, what kind of entitlement or empowerment actually it has? If okay. if you minority may rule behavior over the majority vote. Thank well, you for the. Thank you very much for your question. This is a very. I will take just one or two minutes, uh, uh, Michael. Sorry for that. Um, first of all, the UN is not a government. The UN is a platform where people can, if they want, resolve uh, conflicts. It is not a government. We should be clear about that. It doesn't have the power of that. Secondly, I have been to a briefing of the uh, the High Commissioner for Human Rights, Volker Turk. It's the he is directly under um, uh, uh, Guterres. And he came here just to talk about the conflict in Gaza. And he clearly, he clearly um, 
gives a view where he condemns both the, the Hamas attack and the attack of Israel. So this is the highest level of the United Nations. And he gave a clear statement, and you can look it up on the UN side because there's nothing secret about it. So on the highest level, it is known, it is condemned. But again, the UN is not the government. And it is, and there, okay, that's why we need the UN 2.0. We all know, and I think uh, one of the speakers before uh, uh, mentioned it correctly, the UN came out of the Second World War and part of the structure, actually the the the, the needle that, that is painful is the Security Council. This is a concept which was okay uh, 50 years ago, but it is now really in need of a, a review of that council because that's the only organism in the UN that does have power. And we are all, including people of the UN, aware that this needs reform, but okay. This is a big process. And again, there we, we come to, again, this point of consciousness. Is there enough consciousness to get that through? That's the whole point, which, and I hope, as I think all of us do, that this, this project of the UN 2.0 will eventually resolve this issue because we all know it, it is a painful point of the structure which we have created out of all the goodwill after the Second World War. But okay, the world has evolved, and okay, now is the time to get a better, a better picture. Sorry for a bit long answer, uh, Michael, but okay. Thanks, Mincy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty complicated thing. I think you gave a good overview, but I mean, if you look at the whole international system, you know, there is no supranational authority. I mean, there's there's international law, of course, but it's not. Like we think of in a country where there's a, there's there's laws and there's enforcement of laws and there's a constitution which either you obey the laws or you go to jail and it's very cut and dry. You know the international system is not quite so literal in that sense. It's a bit more. You know, there's nobody really to enforce certain international laws, and so the Security Council what they what they really do have control of is the the direction of UN resources and UN peacekeepers. But at the same time, if they direct a country to do X, Y, Z, and that country doesn't follow through, well, there are certain things that can be done, but um, they, you know, they they don't have full control over the decisions of every country. You know, it's more complicated than that, but it's it's a uh, that's exactly my point. It's more complicated than that, I guess. So, but yeah, reform is definitely needed, and and what we have now is really a tragedy. I think in Israel and Palestine, of course. Ukraine as well, and you know, there's wars all over the Sahel and Africa, civil conflicts. Um, so, yeah, Syria, Yemen, yeah, they're all very difficult situations. Um, but it's part of a process, and hopefully, this, uh, this, this, um, this, um, you know, these uh, these UN reforms will provide sort of a, a foundation or groundwork in which. Um, something can be built where the there's there's sort of more control over these types of conflicts in the future. I'll stop yapping now and uh, <laughs> close the uh, and close the webinar. Hopefully we can end on a high note. And thank you all so much for attending. And Sam, I'm sorry we didn't get to your question, uh, but feel free if you'd like to email it to us. Um, feel free to do so. And uh, 
Yeah, thank you. Oh, one announcement. Uh, also, thank you, Mensa, so much for for stepping thank in. Every, thank you for everybody everyone. doesn't know, but Mensa stepped in very last minute for this webinar. So thank thank you so much, Mensa. I appreciate that. It's a um, pleasure. And um, just just an, just uh, an announcement. The next Goodwill meditation takes place right in the middle of the you know the Christmas holiday season. Not everyone celebrates Christmas, but it's right in the middle of a major holiday season. And so we've decided to cancel that webinar. And so the next Goodwill Meditation Group webinar will be held in January 2024. That's Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. We'll send out an email. We look forward to seeing all of you then and enjoy your, your holidays and uh, Happy New Year. And we'll all see you then. So take care and good evening. Yep.